You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Jose Youngs here, MAFighting.com, here with another episode of the A-Side Live Chat on our YouTube channel. And as I always say, million subscribers, so whoop whoop. Uh, but with me this week, last week was Anthony, before that we had PT. PT uh, has had much needed time off after his hectic week at Bellator London. He was at the Cage Warriors show, so if you want to see any of his interviews, you can stay on this YouTube channel, go watch them all. Obviously, James Gallagher was there. Don't want to miss those interviews. Uh, Patty Pimlet was his stuff with Patty Pimlet was great. He really got the uh, uh, finger on the pulse of that situation uh, with the failed weight cut of Joe Giannetti. Uh, but if you want to watch those, you could go watch them after the ASA live chat. Last week we had Anthony; he was great. This week we have my very good friend from all the way across the other side of the country, Mike Heck. How you been, man? Been good, man. How are you? Uh, uh, thank you for having me. By the way, I've been waiting waiting for that for that text <laughs> message to come, and I'm glad it finally came. I always like giving the spotlight to my fellow journalists, especially the ones that I've known for so long and the ones that have actually worked together and especially the ones that live in my old neck of the woods of the New England area. Uh, you're a Patriots fan, correct? Yes, I know you uh, don't like that. But well, yes. we, can't all, we can't all be winners out there. <laughs> <laughs> the Patriots can, though. Yeah, well, what do you have? One win, right? One loss? To who? One loss. 10-1. To who? Uh, Baltimore. They well, how them. about that? How about that? Anyway, I'm not even a Ravens fan. I just think it's funny. But uh, as you guys all know, this is not our show. This is your show. Uh, so if you want to ask us anything, literally anything you want to talk about. I don't know if you've watched the show in the past, Mike. Oh, actually, you definitely have. But we've had questions about androids. We've had questions about who would win in a fight if all the MA fighting staff got in a fist fight. We'll talk about anything you guys want. You just go into the MAFighting.com, click on the link that says the A-side is live, leave your question in the comment section, or... You can go to Twitter and use hashtag the A-side. We've been getting a lot of really good questions on Twitter. Maybe next week we'll start with Twitter and we'll migrate to the site. But for this week, we're starting on the site. So we're going to get kick things off right away. Mike from longtime commenter Trumbo. Three years in, opinions on Champ Champ. Hello, boys. The, and again, I read these questions verbatim, spelling errors, grammar errors, everything. <laughs> I include them. So if I sound dumb, because a lot of people only listen to this podcast they don't watch it so i want to preface this because a lot of people get on my case for uh weird pronunciations and i read them verbatim so hello boys 
The whole champ champ experiment has been, in my in in my humble opinion, at least half a disaster. With the most recent in Cejudo, we basically have a worst case scenario. Champ champ gets injured and holds up two divisions for a substantial length of time. Even defending each belt once a year would be aggressive, and more than some current UFC champs defend one belt. Having one fighter in the division get a title shot per year is awful and really unfair to the top fighters. Three years into it, what's your opinion on UFC following double champs, pro or against? Aside from Connor, does it even hold enough drawing power to justify the damage it does to the division? Note, exception here is probably Nunez, as Featherweight is so shallow and she's basically cleaned out Bantamweight. So, yes, Mike, interesting question. We're three years into this whole champ-champ trend. Uh, even Bellator has tried to do it. I'm sure one championship will try and do it. You know one championship has tried to do it, too. Uh... But as this, as Trumbo, Mr. Trump, or Miss, I don't know, has pointed out, uh, the championship situation, specifically with Henry Cejudo, has really held up two divisions. We really thought we had clear number one contenders in both after UFC 238, I believe. It was in Chicago. Henry Cejudo beat Small Marais. I thought for sure Alzheimer Sterling was up next to Bantamweight, and Joseph Benavides was next up at Flyweight. That is not the case. Joe Benavides said he'll wait if Henry comes back and promises he gets the next title shot. If he goes up, he should vacate. Now we have Jose Aldo into the mix. Uriah Fayer is back. All of a sudden, Frankie Edgar is at bantamweight. Peter Yan is still doing his thing. Alzheimer Sterling has surgery. Corey Sanhagen's now been then thrown into the wolves with Frankie Edgar. So with all these bantamweight title fights, the only thing missing is the champion being active. Same with Fly. We have Davidson Figueredo is on fire. Uh, Joseph Benavides. I don't know if anyone can argue he's not the number one contender. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this champ-champ situation holding up two divisions? I mean, this this particular case is is interesting because it, it, at first when this idea came up that Henry Cejudo would, would fight for the Bantamweight title, you know, we were all we were all about it because we thought if there's any any guy that could drop and do both, you know, Henry Cejudo could do it, especially when we thought he was as healthy as he could be. Turns out he wasn't as healthy as we thought he could be, and now all this is happening. So it's unfortunate because the the fighters' heads and the and their minds are are bigger than a, a lot of different things. Because like, obviously, when you have the opportunity to win two titles, you're going to jump all over it, no matter how battered and how beat up you are. And we don't don't really take that into account. So unfortunately. Cejudo got bit with the the injury bug. The, the Connor situation is just a Connor situation, and it still hasn't really been figured out at this point. So I think it depends on the fighter. Obviously, Daniel Cormier had his sights set on on going to heavyweight. He won the heavyweight title and just pretty much vacated the light heavyweight title pretty quickly and emphatically. So it, it's it's really a tough case. I hate the champ champ thing. I hate the double champ thing. It's a cool thing when Connor did it for the first time. We were like, yeah, but we also look at the Ultimate Warrior WrestleMania six. <laughs> wins the world title and then vacates the intercontinental title like i think if you go up for a different belt you should be your mind should be state thinking that you're you're probably going to vacate one of those belts like it's cool to have the moment hold up the two belts but eventually you should probably drop one of them yeah uh it's it's i like the idea if you can defend both of them a man as trumbo pointed out uh, amanda nunez seems to be the only one that's really doing that i think the the she has both belts. She has both new belts, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. She after beating Holly Holm, she got the new UFC belt. Like the I new. I thought she one. had one. I thought she had one. Well, um, I can't quite. Oh yeah, did she get it? Oh, because when she beat Amanda Nunes, uh, when she beat Chris Cyborg, she did not get the new one, right? She got. I, I think. Hol- yeah, yeah. Holm, she got the new one. She still she had got- the big one at the at the press conference at two forty two forty four. Right, so uh, if Amanda Nunes, I think, is the only one. She she won the featherweight championship, uh, dropped back down to bantamweight, and then there's really no clear number one contender featherweight. So if once that situation plays out, maybe she goes up. If Jermaine Durandamy, who was in the inaugural featherweight champion, people don't talk about that, say Jermaine Durandamy beats 
Amanda Nunes, why not rematch them at featherweight for the featherweight title? So then we would have another champ champ at, at the, in the female division. Um, but Dana Cormier was champ champ. He defended his light heavyweight championship enough times. And then when he beat Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight championship of the world, he really held out for that Brock Lesnar match. I don't blame him for not dropping back down to light heavyweight unless it was for John Jones. Uh, if that Brock Lesnar paycheck was there as soon as Brock Lesnar was was out of the picture they they rematched and he did fight Derek Lewis but that was on short notice and they really needed someone for that Madison Square Garden card and I firmly believe if it was anyone other than Derek Lewis uh I don't think Daniel uh, Daniel Cormier would have taken that fight uh but the Connor situation I think really left a bad taste in my mouth I thought it was really I thought it was really very cool to see uh finally see that because we've been wanting that for so long I think Anderson Silva versus George St. Pierre would have been amazing if George had gone up or Anderson I'm not saying Anderson would have made the way if one of them had changed divisions and then we had a champ champ I think then would have been appropriate because like they had cleaned out their divisions George had been everyone at welterweight Anderson being everyone at middleweight I think that was the appropriate time for champ versus champ uh the BJ Penn George St. Pierre one was cool too but now I feel like everyone wants to do it I mean Tyron Woodley wins and he's calling out like middleweight champs if uh when like everyone wants to go up, everyone wants to go down, no one wants to defend, which is why fighters like Max Holloway and Habib, who are like, no, I want to dominate my division, are so unique. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. It would, to add to that, flyweight is way more interesting than it was a year, a year and a half ago. I mean, you got guys like Matt Schnell, who has been really exciting as of late and is really, you know, making a statement and, and moving up the ladder. You got guys like Jordan Espinosa still there. And you have unsigned flyweights right now who could who could do a number. In the, like Brandon Royval. Like what he did at LFA 79, that guy should absolutely get a shot at the flyweight division. And he's a top 15 guy as soon as the pen hits the paper. You know what I mean? So... Flyweight is super interesting. There's guys outside that are that are knocking on the door that should get in, and the division is continuing to move up. So you give all the credit in the world to Cejudo for for giving life and and rebirth to the flyweight division and saving it and, and letting it become what it's going to become. But I, I think the champ champ thinks if Cejudo drops the belt, like the division will move forward. Beforehand, a year ago, year and a half ago, it wouldn't have been like that. Now we're there, so let's let's move on. Like I couldn't say it any better. Like I think the big like the problem is, Henry Cejudo should if he's not going back to flyweight should vacate the flyweight championship of the world and let Joseph Benavidez Figueiredo fight like fight 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 for it and then Henry Cejudo can just stay at 135. The problem here is this triple C gimmick he has is hit is like everything he can't be a tri he can't be triple C if he gives up the flyweight championship of the world. If Dana White says you have to fight Benavidez next or vacate. And he vacates. He's not Triple C anymore. I mean, technically, he never lost, and everyone's going to say that. But it's one and one with Joseph. Like Joseph Benavidez already beat him. Uh, let him rematch. They if he if he wins, like they like, it's 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 there. Like I don't want to see Henderson <laughs> fight anyone other than Joseph Benavidez next. There are fights I like. Like I like the Frank Edgar fight. I like the Dominic Cruz fight and the Jose Aldo fight and all this. But what about Joe Benavidez? I don't like seeing hard work not pay off, uh, especially when Henderson Hudo saved the flyweight division when he beat tj dillashaw and now he's not fighting at flyweight anymore i get it just give up the belt or move on uh and again roy mcdonald also tried to become a champ champ if i'm not mistaken right he, like, he went up gaygard definitely didn't go down gaygard did say he wanted to go down to welterweight though after seeing <laughs> D uh, douglas lima he's like yeah i'm like the same size as that guy i can make welterweight 
So Bellator and Ryan Bader, same thing. Ryan Bader, I think, is going to be one of those guys that defends both belts. Uh, he fought Shet Congo. Yes, it was a no contest because of the because of that weird eye poke situation. He ran through that heavyweight uh, Grand Prix. If he goes back to light heavyweight, like he said he did, he wanted to, he wanted to go to Ryzen and fight for like a heavyweight or light heavyweight championship. I know K, uh, KSW wants something to do with Bellator, so maybe Bader versus Phil DeFreeze. Maybe he becomes an actual triple champ with two Bellator champion championships uh, and a KSW champion. But then what happened with Kyoji Horiguchi? He wins the Bellator Championship, goes back to Ryzen, and then gets knocked out. So it's like this whole – I'm over it. I'm over it. Mike, are you – you're over it, right? Now we're going to have guys after this conversation try to be quadruple champions. So we're just going down this this terrible rabbit hole right now that uh, that we need to pull ourselves out of. But, yeah, I'm with you on – you know, one title's good. I mean, Bader's a different exception, maybe. I, I think he could probably handle both, but if there's, I don't really see anybody else right now. Fight, like, MMA fighting is so difficult. Like, it's so hard to stay healthy and, and be able to defend those titles. Because, like, to make people happy, just like the, the question said, you have to defend both titles, like, twice a year to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Once a year is not enough. So if you can fulfill that, God bless you. But I haven't seen anybody that can do it. And God bless Israel Adesanya for basically admitting, like, I'm going to clean out my division and then I'll go up to light heavyweight because that John Jones fight now would be big money. And he's like, nope, I have stuff to do in middleweight and then I'll go up. John Jones wants to fight me now because I'm small. Like, didn't Israel Adesanya weigh like 183, 184, one of his weigh-ins? Like, he's not a, he's a skinny cat. It's not like he's going to, he's going to have, it's going to be easy for him to just bulk up to like 205 immediately. He's going to take some time. So 2021. We might have an actual champ versus champ fight that makes sense after if Israel Adesanya cleans out division and and John Jones stays the course. But enough of this champ champ talk. I'm <laughs> over it. Everyone is over. Well, maybe not everyone. If you guys are over, you can tell me in the comment section. But we're gonna move uh, right along in the comment section from Tyler Durden, 31. Is this a tipping point for the UFC, or is it just my my growing lack of interest? I used to. I used to look forward to cards and rank the matchups, but it seems the UFC has lost its center. Could the Connor effect be there? Be there's little out there that's exciting. Adesanya probably is the guy now. How about a lightweight tournament to get shit rolling? Interesting question. Uh, I've been I've been hearing this a lot from fans. A lot of my uh, fans friends that don't really watch MMA like we do every single week because it's our job. Uh, I'll say they'll ask me like, "Oh, what do you do on Saturday?" I'm like, "UFC fight." They're like, "Again?" It's like the twelfth week in a row. There's a UFC fight, and then when there's no UFC, there's Bellator. When there's an, or one cha- or one championship or Cage Wars, and but this is specifically a UFC question. Uh, our MMA Fighting Zone, Alex Cayley and Mike Giappetta have a great uh, write up on the Great Divide last week about is there too many events in the ufc uh so if you haven't read that go check it out uh, last week's the great device it's a fantastic piece esther lynn did a excellent graphic for the thumbnail uh where she spliced together like 10 different arenas all from the same angle it was great um but is is this just a matter is this just a case of too many events like we've been hearing for a long time where if you look at like i don't know say 2008 2007 ufc there's not that many events in every card seems to be stacked from top to bottom and now we're getting fights in busan which is great and i'm sure we're going to talk about that main event on this card on this on this chat but then the other 10 fights don't really do anything for the casual fans uh or is this just a lot of fans which i've also heard connor brought them in and now that connor's not there and there's really no star power ronda's gone 
Brock Lesnar's gone. He mentioned Israel Adesanya. Is this just there's no interesting characters, or is this just burnout from too many fight too many fight cards? Um, probably the latter on that one. I mean, th- th- there's a lot of fight cards, it, it, and the locations for some of these places are just are just unbelievable. Um, isn't there one coming up in, in Ran- Rio Ranchero, New Mexico? Rio, Ran- Rio Rancho, yeah. <laughs> I've never even heard of Rio Rancho until until this card was announced. Like I'm n- nothing against the area. Like Albuquerque is a major city in New Mexico. Rio Rancho, never really heard of it, but expect a lot of local fighters out there. They're trying to get into new markets, and I understand what they're trying to do here. But I'd say it's it's at least like like December seventh. The UFC DC card was looking pretty good on paper, and then we've had some switches, and some of the fighters came out, but. Like I'm at like next Monday when it's actually fight week, we're gonna be so excited for that card because we haven't had an event in two weeks. So it's nice to have that break, and then we got three weeks in a row, and then we're off for like another two or three weeks after that. So we're gonna get a little bit of a reprieve. We're gonna get a little bit of a break. We're gonna be able to miss it a little bit more. And if you're a hardcore MMA fan, there's there's plenty of MMA. I mean, look look at last weekend. You have had LFA, you had CFFC, you had Bellator, you had Cage Warriors, you had a plethora of different MMA events you could watch and that were at your disposal. So there are a lot of events and. It just depends on what kind of a fan you are. If you're a casual fan, you may not care as much. If you're a hardcore fan, you're going to watch every bit of it. So, and if you're a storyline guy like myself, I try to find a story in every event, no matter how strong or weak the card is. So I can always find angles to 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 enjoy fight cards and make them a little more interesting. So it just depends what kind of fan you are. You're not going to please everybody because if you don't have this many events, you're gonna you're gonna piss off the hardcore fan too. So you just got to pick which which side of the fence you're on. Uh, I I agree. I think there might be. I like I like the fact that they go to all these weird cities. Like I was super excited to go cover event in Bangor, Maine, that one time, uh, <laughs> because a lot of fight fans don't get to go to live events and these really these like going to Rio Rancho, going to Raleigh, going to Wichita, going Utica. to Utica, like all these places really gets these these fans that maybe never thought they could get watch a UFC fight live. Like if you're in Utica, New York. Uh, and the closest you can get is like Albany or Rochester or Scott, like Madison Square Garden. There's no way you're making it like what six hour drive, five hour drive, whatever it is, and paying that to New York City. Like people say New York and they immediately think New York City, but like Utica is like way up, way up there. So they're not for those types of cities. I love it. They're obviously not going to get big title fights. Like I believe the Utica fight card was uh, Jimmy Rivera and Marlon Moraes was on that card. But then you yep. got Gregor, you get those fights. Like the young Gregor Gillespie was on that. Like Jessica Aguilar was supposed to be on that. So you get those fun fights. Uh, and then the Rochester one was I think Kevin Lee and RDA, if I'm not mistaken. And right. Wichita was uh, JDS and was that Derek Lewis or was that right? Uh, was it that one? I don't or remember. Was it, was it Lewis? I was it Lingano? No, that was the Minnesota one, I believe. That was Lewis. You're right. You're right. You're right. So you get these you get these events in these small cities that maybe no one would expect to get them. Uh, so I love that. I don't know if they have to go to Las Vegas like three months in a row, but again, those are for the big pay per views. And I saw a question about this January pay per view supposedly in in Las Vegas. So I'm, we'll we'll wait. We'll save that for later. Uh, I get it. I get what the UC is doing. I get they have a lot of fighters on the roster. They got to get them all fights. Uh, I think a lot of fans this might be a little burnt out. I'm I'm curious to see how UFC 245 uh, does in terms of buys or in terms of viewership when we get we do get this long break. Uh, we had 244 
And then I think, what was the one right after 244? Was that the Sao Paulo card or was that? I don't even remember. It's all a blur to me. Uh, we had that yeah, Sao Paulo. Like but we had that Sao Paulo card, which had really interesting fights. That fight dragged forever. Like that fight card dragged forever and then it culminated in not the greatest main event. And now we get this break and then we have UFC 245, which is just like three title fights. The turn of Jose Aldo making his debut. Uriah Faber's on that card. Like that fight card is fantastic. Uh, and then we get the Busan fight card, which the main event is the best fight of the year, in Jose's opinion, because I've been waiting for that fight for five years between the Korean Zombie and Brian Ortega. Uh, but have you gone back and looked at some of the fight cards from like 2008, 2009? Like when, like, like, like those fight cards will have like Rampage Jackson as like the third fight on the main um, or like Luda Machida will be like the co-main event. And then like Randy Couture is also on the card like that. Those fight cards were must watch television. Unless it's a big title fight. I don't know if the UFC is having a lot of much watch, must watch television on ESPN these days. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's certain cards that, that do better than others. And, and I kind of like what they did with Boston too. I like how they mix in a Friday card every once in a while. Yeah. Like it mixes things up. Like it's one day, it's 24 hours earlier, but still it mixes things up a little bit. It opens up schedules in different ways. So I like, I hope they add, you know, two or three more Friday night cards, maybe add a Sunday card here and there. Like I, I don't mind that at all. Not everything has to be so uniform all the time. It doesn't have to be Saturday, eight o'clock every single time, like Saturday, 10 PM, main card start every single time like i like when they mix things up a little bit and they and they shuffle the deck like i just put in a random no ufc 82 that's the one i just a random one i put in like you got andre arlovsky on the prelims josh koscheck diego sanchez and then you got john fitch okami lieben shek congo and then anderson silva dan henderson like that's a good fight card for like what year was that 2008 like yeah if that like but UFC then it, UFC 100, John Jones was on the prelims. I don't even think he was t on TV think, at all that day. Wasn't that yeah. like his second or second or third fight in the UFC? Yeah. Like, like uh, God, Jim Miller was on that fight card. I think Jim yeah. – and was Jim Miller the only one on UFC 100 and 200? Yeah. Because John Jones was supposed to be, but then that fell apart. But that had, what, Anderson not, – not Anderson. That had Lesnar, that George, that had uh, Mike Bisping, Dan Henderson – uh, wasn't Akiyama's like UFC debut on that card? Yeah, he fought Alan Belcher on that card. Yeah. Oh my God. And he got didn't and he won right. That was like his only win in the UFC. Yeah, it was a decision win. Mark Coleman fought Stefan Bonner on that card. See that fight card is, but that's you. <laughs> but that's UFC 100. Like UFC 200 was unbelievable too. Even though they lost the main event, uh, you still get these really stacked cards. Like UFC 235 was fantastic. UFC 239. UFC 238, if I'm not mistaken, had the most ranked fighters since the day since the, obviously the past ones there were no rankings but since the ufc rankings like took shape i believe ufc 238 in chicago had the most ranked fighters on one single pay-per-view card or just one card in general and like theoretically there were three or four number one contender fights on that card we had the main event was obviously the championship fight and then the co-main event was the uh valentina shevchenko and jessica i but then we also had count to Kadigan versus joanne calderwood which everyone just kind of assumed was the number one contender we had Alzheimer's Sterling versus Pedro Munoz. People just assumed was the number one contender. And I think that, like, the Peter Yan fight, he, like, he was arguing that he should get the shot. And then Tony Ferguson won. So he was, that was for sure a number one contender fight. So you have fight, you do still have fight cards like that. But then you have the fight cards that no one, like the Moscow card I had, I watched because I 
A, it's my job, and B, I liked that fight card. But I don't know how many eyeballs tuned in, especially over here on the West Coast when it started at like four or five in the morning. I know you watched it because your boy Calvin Cater was on that card. Uh, but there are fight cards that are specifically made for the markets. And I do get that. They're trying to break into the Moscow market. Uh, and it was great that Zabit headlined it uh, because now he's a bigger star in that, in, that, in that marketplace. But like, can you imagine if they put like Habib in Moscow? Like, come on. Oh, my God. Or UFC uh, 242, that was the Habib, that was Habib Poirier, right? Yep. Outside of that main event, what was, well, like, outside of that main event, and they're like, they're obviously Felder and Barbosa was good. The co-main event. Yeah, like those oh, two well, fights, but then other than yeah. that, it was really built for that air, that region of the world. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, Andrew and, Lee versus uh, Calderwood was a good fight. Yeah. Cause, uh, one, because it was a female fight, and that was just huge, and putting it on that spot, but... Yeah, that was that was the more one of the more interesting fights on that entire card, in my opinion, was was that fight. Obviously, Calderwood got the job done, but yeah, it was a very that was a very Russian, you know, very very area laden card for sure. Same as uh, I think UFC 240, I liked that one. Uh, that was Frank Edgar, Max Holloway, and then it also had Cyborg uh, versus um, Felice Spencer. Uh, but like Media Day, like you've covered Media Days enough in your time, especially for pay per views. They didn't bring out nearly anyone for me today. There were like four or five fighters from each corner. It wasn't like 13 fighters, 13 fighters. Uh, so like even UFC 240 had, was obviously stacked with, not stacked, stacked's not the right word. They had a lot of Canadians on that card. And then it was really built around the top two fights. Like Akeem Duadu was on the prelims, which was very shocking to me considering he was fighting Edmonton Ryan. He, he did get that KO. Uh, but I think burnout is for sure a real thing. But we don't want to burn you guys out on this conversation. <laughs> transition so we're gonna move right along uh from zaku kokegi which i've been told i'm pronouncing that correctly uh gina carano but spelled gina wrong uh we finally found out what happened with her comeback fight after hearing how dana treated the situation how would would you guys have walked away from a million dollar payday out of principle happy and have a happy thanksgiving have you have a happy thanksgiving to you too zaku kokegi so mike i don't know if you saw i'm sure you did because if you didn't you'd be living under a rock and not doing your duties as an mma journalist gina carano was on air hawani's show on espn and she finally pulled back the curtain on the supposed plan for her return fight Man, I'm, I'm i'm sure you remember it i was at that that remember when dana would do those scrums after every fight that kind of became like much must watch youtube uh, he said, like, I just signed Gina Carano. Like, we're going to make Gina versus Ronda. Ronda could go up in 145 to fight Gina. It's the only fight. I was there, and then that fight never happened, and then Dana White threw her under the bus. Gina Carano now said that Dana White prematurely made the announcement after she asked for, like, six months to find a team that she can trust, uh, threw, and then threw her under the bus, like, mistakenly sent her a text message calling her some uh, not nice things. Uh, directly to her and that was that she cut off all ties to her so a were you surprised that dana white prematurely announced a fight threw his fighter under the bus or not even his fighter, threw a potential superstar under the bus uh offered her a million dollars and that basically are you surprised by the whole situation uh no because we're dealing with that situation right now with habib and tony ferguson so not not to this extent not to where dana sent a a, a text message to tony ferguson about tony ferguson accidentally <laughs> to get him to sign the contract uh it 
I'm not surprised by any of this stuff, to be honest with you, because th- that's what Dana does. He, you know, when Dana talks, just like w- what you said, when he used to do those scrums, that puts a lot of pressure because everyone in the media is going to write about it. Everyone in the media is going to talk about it and go on Twitter and talk about it. And that puts extra pressure on a fighter like Gina Carano and a person like Gina Carano who doesn't like the pressure. She's just not a pressure person. In terms of would I have walked away from a million dollar payday out of principle, I will say this. There's a difference between... 36-year-old Mike Heck with a wife and a son who's making tens of dollars a month covering the sport of mixed martial arts uh, on his own, trying to do this full-time. And then there's Gina Carano, who was an actress, in a mon- and she built this sort of empire within herself. So she was doing quite fine, and she said multiple times in the interview that she thinks about fighting all the time, but she doesn't need to fight. Like, she found her passion in acting. She found her passion in in trying to make something great on the big screen. So she didn't need to fight. This was a great opportunity for her. Yeah, a million dollars. Why not? The million-dollar fight. She compared it to the Layla Ali fight. But I'm not surprised she walked away. Would I have walked away in the position I'm in? Probably not for a million dollars. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of things I would do for a million dollars. There's obviously a line there, ladies and gentlemen, but a million (laughs) dollars is a lot of money for somebody like me. So it's would I fight fight John Jones for a million dollars? Yep, I would take that ass whooping real quick. I'd fight John Jones for like $50,000, honestly. (laughs) Uh, Not that... Well, maybe a little more because I'm sure I'd have to pay for my own medical expenses and all that stuff. But... uh, None of this surprised me whatsoever, especially Dana White throwing uh, fighters under the bus. Um, yeah, it's it's really Gina Carano is the big one of the is one of the biggest female stars in the history of MMA. I, I it's like I'd put her right below Ronda Rousey. She was the original face of women's uh, mixed martial arts. I saw a lot of female after that interview was done, and they put that clip out. Like Ariel tweeted the clip out. A lot of female fighters, like like Angela Hill. Uh, I was like the one that came to mind. I was like, someone was like, I never even saw women fight MMA until her fight with Cyborg. And Angela Hill was like, me neither. So like a lot of female fighters were like quote tweeting that uh, and like respond to it saying like Gina was really the first person that they saw as someone that they like, oh, like this is a real thing. Like I could do this. Uh, so the female fighters obviously uh, had Gina's back. I don't, I'm, it's curious. I'm curious to see how, if any of them really speak out uh, with Gina's, Gina's comments, but Gina Carano is a movie star, and it's not like she's in these small indie films. Like she's in The Mandalorian, she's in the Deadpool movies. Like she she starred in Haywire, her own movie. Like she's in these big blockbuster movies. So like you said, it you'd fight John Jones for a million dollars. I think she's doing okay. <laughs> I think she's doing just okay. The thing I will say is it this really it felt like Dana wanted to give Gina Carano a million dollars to fight Ronda lose and then basically just build Ronda off of that win. I don't know if Dana ever really cared about signing Gina Carano as much as using Gina Carano to bolster Ronda Rousey's mystique in the eyes of the fans because if Ronda Rousey beats Gina Carano, like that's that I don't know if, like a year ago when Mark Raimondi and Sean Shadi were hosting this, uh, I actually was speaking with Mark about this in New York. Uh, he put together this hypothetical all-female card. It was off the heels of the uh, WWD uh, women's re- uh, revolution card that they they did the whole female uh pay-per-view and he goes if you had to put together an all-female ufc card mma card like this could be cross promotion who would you put and the main event was ronda rousey gina carano like that was his hypothetical thing and i couldn't say i disagreed where it was like the face the the two faces of women's mma i'll i'll let you answer this too i think amanda nunez is the greatest female fighter of all time in terms of in-ring capability and her accolades but in terms of who made the biggest mark 
it's Ronda and Gina Carano. Like, it's 1A, 1B. I'd, slight, I'd give Ronda a slight edge considering she actually fought in the UFC and did on the cover Sports Illustrated and all that. But when I heard that, I immediately was like, oh, Dana just wanted her to lose and then show her the door. Like, you think Gina Carano's going to stick around for another fight if she lost to Ronda Rousey? Probably not. But still, it was a million dollars. She'd go off and do movies and, and do just fine. So it was worth an opportunity to, you know, to scratch that proverbial itch and then make a, make a good amount of money, get into a training camp. She loves doing that stuff, like she said. But, you know, sometimes we, we don't get what we want. And sometimes when, when when something we want is right there in front of us, we push a little too hard for it. And that's what Dana White did there. And he uh, and take it from somebody who's who sent an accidental text message like that to somebody before. Yeah, that there's no coming back from that. Once you send that text and you realize that you made that mistake and you have to sweat it out waiting for the reply. Yeah, uh, I never did that again. Let's just say that. Someone in the comment section says, I'll fight Jose and Mike for 50 cents. Well, that'd be a terrible night for you, sir. Um, but we're going to move right along from longtime commenter Rob Holland. Habib versus Tony. After no, And again, I read these verbatim. After knowing for quite some time that Tony is next, we finally get a date, and it's the effing spring. Didn't even actually. It's the effing spring. They didn't even put a question mark. Dare I say it, and hopefully not jinx it. This is this just gives both men more time to get injured. What are your thoughts on this choice, and also the involvement of Ali Abdelaziz and his games in the negotiations? I don't know what games he's playing because I haven't spoken to Ali uh, personally about it, but I did speak to him at the Dominance MMA Media Day, uh, and he said. Like, Justin Gaethje could skip over Tony Ferguson. Like, I'm like, ah, I know. Like, no one should fight a B before Tony Ferguson. Uh, even to, when b- the lead-up to Gaethje versus Cerrone, both fighters were asked, like, who's next after this fight for the title? They're like, Tony Ferguson. Like, are you kidding me? Like, look at, he's, <laughs> the last time Tony Ferguson lost, women weren't even in the UFC. Like, this is the first time two fighters with two 10-plus fight win streaks are fighting for a champion, like fighting in the UFC, like I can't. I God, it's gonna. Drive, <laughs> I'm gonna tear my hair out if people want. If if someone comes up to me and goes, I think Justin Gage used to fight Habib before Tony. Like, or better yet, I had people saying Tony Ferguson should fight Justin Gaethje. I'm like, you're stupid. Like, no. Like Tony Ferguson has to fight. You should have already fought Habib. But uh, what do you think about the timing of the fight? And I don't think this fight is ever going to happen. I've been on record many a time on this show saying, I'm not going to believe this fight happens until they're actually in the octagon. And then I bet we get a UFC 244 situation or like Cerrone Ferguson situation where it's like a cut or a blown eye or something like that. I think the worst case scenario, every single fight. I don't know where you stand on this, uh, but it's the time finally now for Habib versus Tony Ferguson. Well, if you're going to do it in Brooklyn, I prefer you do it in April. I'd rather not have it in January or February because there could be ice on the ground, on the sidewalks, and snow on the ground. And they could slip and fall. Like I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want anything at all to get in the way of this fight. Uh, to, to build off what you said about not believing it until you see it, Like to quote the great Michael Scott from The Office, fool me once, strike one. Fool me twice, strike three. Like So many times we've been bought into this thing. Bubble wrap them all you want. But again, this fight's not done yet. Like all on all accounts, it's not done. Tony Ferguson has not signed that contract yet. So before we get too, too excited, we got to wait for that to happen. The timing, you could do that fight anytime, anywhere at this point. And obviously, I believe, I'm not sure if you were, you covered UFC 208 in Brooklyn. Were you there for that card? I was not there for that card. Okay. So just 
Brooklyn is the perfect place for Habib if it's not in Russia or Abu Dhabi because they did a Q&A one day during the build-up to UFC 208 in, um, in this community in, in Brooklyn. I mean, it is like Russian central. And that, like, it, it was such a mob scene for Habib. Like, Habib just showed up. It was right before, the, it was right after the, fir- the the Ferguson fight that year for 209 was announced. So he goes in there, he does this Q&A, and they just mobbed him. I mean, there's such a contingency of, of Habib fans in that area. So it is the perfect place to, to host this fight if you're going to do it in the United States. Um, because Habib's going to have a lot of, a lot of support, a lot of people coming out for him. The building is going to be absolutely electric. Um, and then Tony Ferguson will thrive off of that. That's the stuff that he's made up. He's just a wacky guy like that. He wants to be the away team. He wants to be the hated guy. So he'll love that. Uh, but again, I'm with you until Bruce Buffer announces them and they have the face off and the referee says, let's go. And the first punch is thrown. Then I'll actually believe it's happening. It's like Nick Diaz coming back and fighting in the UFC until that happened until like, let's go. And the first punch is thrown. I don't believe it's ever going to happen. It will never happen. Habib versus Tony will never happen. I'm going to say that until I'm blue in the face because I believe in reverse psychology. Uh, now that I've said that, I've probably jinxed it. Uh, but I've been I've been there on the scene for most of their scheduled fight, actually all of their scheduled fights, and they've all fallen apart. But honestly, I had this thought the other day when when I was when uh, this when this whole situation where it's like oh Tony, when Habib or Ali put the the picture out of Habib signing it and he's like like sign your end big boy or something like that is this all like the fight gods just playing a game with us because doesn't it seem like this fight is bigger than ever now now we have two guys on the two longest streaks they've the with the two of them combined they've basically cleaned out the division like Tony Ferguson has beaten everyone they put in front of him late like since his loss to michael johnson habib's being everyone he's put in front of him he's undefeated is this just if they had fought on that was they what were they supposed to fight like tampa bay or orlando weren't they on that 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 fox card or something like that that fell apart when like tony yep. ferguson was like coughing blood or something that fight wouldn't have been as big a deal then and then they were supposed to fight at ufc 209 but i believe it was for the the interim title or something like that, and then it fell apart, and then they were supposed to fight in Brooklyn at UFC 223, and then the Connor situation really made Habib a bigger star, did it not? Oh, 100%. Definitely. So, it's yeah, continue. is this now the perfect time? Is this storm of chaos now granted us the biggest fight we could put together? Because now, th- this is obviously a bigger deal than it ever was before. Is this all just a ruse by the fight gods to give us the biggest fight in lightweight history? As a parent, I can say this, and it's a good comparison. When your kid does something over and over again, you say, like, this is the last chance. This is your last chance, I promise you. And you say that over and over and over again, and you still end up giving him what he wants, like, 20 minutes later. This is literally the last chance that people are going to buy into this. Like, you can't do this again. This is it. So it has peaked as much as it can at this point. And if this thing falls apart again, like even if Tony Ferguson says, no, I don't like the deal. I'm not signing it. I'm not signing it. That, that Like that's it. The only other idea you can do, and I thought this is brilliant. I think Helwani said this a couple of years ago, is that you don't even announce this fight's happening. Like you tell both competitors that the fight's happening and then you build it up, let them train. And then like a day before say, hey, for $15, you can watch Tony Ferguson fight Habib Nurmagomedov tomorrow on UFC Fight Pass. Like this is how it works. Like don't tell anybody, don't jinx it. Just announce it the day before 
and then just let it happen. Like, I'd rather see that happen than build this thing up for another five months. Like, that's a lot of that's a lot of time to worry about. And to your friend Jessica, because I do watch the show, if you're going to send crystals to anybody, send all the crystals to Habib and Tony Ferguson at this point. Like, whatever magic, whatever things we could do with these crystals, like, let's send that power to them too and everybody else around us. Maybe all the MMA fans just to keep us calm through this whole thing. I'm going to have all the crystals around me. I got my crystals right here. I'm going to be – I'm just going to be – people listening can hear that. I'm just rolling my crystals in my hands. But – and it's – this isn't a situation where it's always one fighter getting hurt. Both fighters are equally at, at fault here. Like Tony Ferguson like was like had like – was like punctured lung or coughing up blood or something. Like Habib blew his knee out or something. And then Habib like – passed out miscutting weight the day before Habib, uh, Tony Ferguson trips on a wire on the Fox lot like this is both men it's not like one fight fighters cursed we're all cursed ladies and gentlemen we're all cursed and as <laughs> as our my former colleague Sean Alshadi is very much on the Tony Ferguson is going to win this fight um, I believe me and him are in agreement that whoever wins this fight is the greatest lightweight whoever lived uh, I don't think it's really a debate right now. I think the default answer for a long time has been BJ Penn, but that's simply because the lightweight division uh, has been so competitive that there really hasn't been a long-standing champion outside of BJ Penn. Uh, and then Conor McGregor winning and holding up the division for so long kind of put a, a, a damper on that. But this is the biggest... In terms of... I don't even care if there's a crowd. I just want to watch this fight. This is just high-level martial arts at its finest this is up there with like there's it's there's no comparison this is the best fight this is the most highest skilled fight i can think of that we're going to get in 2021 but it doesn't matter because we're not going to get it we're never going to get this fight <laughs> we're going to stop talking about it real quick because the more we talk about it, the more of a chance they're gonna they're gonna fall apart no i don't believe in the secret i think the secret is the dumbest thing in the whole wide world but i believe in putting out negative energy into the world and jinxing the greatest lightweight fight ever and I'm just going to convince myself that those four failed fights were all just building up to this one moment. This Everything one, happens for a reason, Jose. This is it. Everything happens for a reason. And I can pray and pray all I want, but it will never happen. But we're going to move right along because the more we talk about it, the less likely that fight will happen. <laughs> UFC's lackluster schedule from Rob, Robin G87. The only event to look forward to is a stacked UFC 245. Besides that, there are not many events worth mentioning for a long time. One, I believe that's like seven O's. Have you encountered periods like this where you almost, where there are no, almost no big UFC events for a couple months? Seems like a new thing to me, at least the, the last couple years. Is this a sign that the U is changing its vision of big events? Or is this a one-off? Well, I disagree on fight on no big events coming up. I love that Busan card specifically for the main event. I think that whole fight card is worth it for that main event between the Korean Zombie and um, Brian Ortega. Last I saw, the odds were dead even. It was like minus 145, minus 145 or something like that. That's about as close a fight as you can get. Uh, that's just violent martial arts at its finest. Um, and then you got that January fight card where supposedly Connors coming up, but looking less likely the closer we get. And then we got Dominic Reyes, John Jones in February, Valentina Shushenko, Shukagian's on that card too. Uh, even that January card, like Macy Barber fights Roxanne Modafari. I believe Anthony Pettis fights Diego Ferreira on that card. So there's good fights coming up. If you're just talking about just the rest of 2019, which he does, this person doesn't say, uh, but I'm just going to assume that's what they're doing because there's some great fights in early 2020. Uh, there's only like two UFC events left. 
in two in 2019. So I don't know what they're complaining about. UFC 245 is absolutely stacked. Korean Zombie Brian Ortega is my favorite fight of all time. It hasn't even happened yet. And then the last few months have been great. So, uh, but in terms of have you encountered periods like this where there are almost no big UFC events for a couple months? I can't think of any. I'm sure I can. Mike, can you think of any off the top of your head of these long stretches of time of of, of lack, quote-unquote, lackluster schedule? I would say that, like, the one that really sticks out to me was was right before UFC 208. Like, because... Th- wasn't there like a big event scheduled for January that got canceled? Something big happened like the month before. So like they and they almost had to cancel 208. So that's why they put Holm versus Duran in me and like created a title just to like put something on that card. You know what I mean? So like that that's probably the time I remember. But here's something I had a conversation with a buddy of mine the other day who's not he's kind of a casual UFC fan. And he go and he asked me the same question. I'm like, dude, I know this seems like it seems like so long ago, but UFC 244 was this month. Like, it happened this yeah. month. The Rock, oh, yeah. President Trump, the BMF title, all of that stuff was this month. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Like, it's not like we've had, we haven't had we have had any significant – it's not like UFC Boston was the last event we had until D.C. Like, we've had some some big moments. We had Adesanya. We had, you know, we had UFC 244, which is just a massive spectacle. Like, that event was insanity from start to finish, like whether you're watching on television or whether you're there in person. So yeah, now we're getting a little bit of a, of, of a reprieve. I think the DC card gets a little bit of a boost because we have, we get that little bit of a breather. But like you said, 245 is, is a great card. Busan's going to be actually a good card. It's a good hardcore fans card sure. for sure. Uh, Matt Schnell's on that card. He's one of the most exciting guys at Flyweight right now. There's some interesting storylines there. You can find him anywhere. And then we're going to get another little bit of a break to build back up towards the January 18th cards and, and, and building into February as we head to Houston in March. And hopefully, knock on wood, April in Brooklyn with, with Habib and Tony. So it'll all, it'll all work out. We're just taking a little walk around the block right now. We're going to get to our destination soon, and everything's going to be fine. Couldn't have put it any better myself, myself, sir. I think the only other year I can think of, remember in, there was that year of all those injuries just like, just, just crippled the UFC's plans. Like we're supposed to have like Habib versus like Donald Cerrone, like John Jones, not even injuries, just like things in general. John Jones supposed to fight Anthony Johnson on that same card. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like, and then because of all that, like the New Orleans, like we're supposed to have Bader versus DC in New Orleans and, then DC got pulled to fight Rumble, and instead Dan Henderson versus like Tim Bosch main evented that. And then you get there was that year like Hen, like Dominic Cruz and Uriah were supposed to fight UFC 148, but then they got pulled. And instead Uriah Faber fought Hannon Barrow and like Calgary, and that's like historically one of the worst pay per views ever. So, uh, but those are all because right? Was I that think that was. No, I think that was like 2013, 2014. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. 2017 was a bad year too. Outside of. Connor and uh and Floyd, right? Or is that twenty yeah. Outside of that. I like, think that was a that yeah. was a year like that. Not as extreme, but it was like that. Correct. We had a lot but like like Anthony Johnson fought Daniel Cormier and like was that Buffalo? And then we had yeah. like the two Tyron Wood like we had the Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson fight, we had Tyron Woodley, uh versus Damian Meyer. Like those are all great, but those are all good cards, like I wouldn't say this is a lackluster schedule whatsoever. Again, this might just go back to the burnout. Maybe there are just less cards people are interested in, but there are still phenomenal fights. Like that UFC Sao Paulo card, which everyone was complaining about, like Charles Oliveira was on that card. That's great. Like Shogun Nahua, which if you 
think of MMA royalty, like Shogun Hua is MMA royalty, not just UFC, like mixed, like martial arts royalty. Shogun, whenever Shogun Hua fights, it's must-watch television. And then the main event maybe left a lot to be desired, but that could have been a number one contender fight if John Blakovich had won. So maybe it's just Robin G87. Maybe it's just less, less fight cards you're interested in because. I wouldn't say any of those fight cards were lackluster. And like, like UFC 245, 244 was just a couple weeks ago. The Boston card was before that. Like, these are good fights. UFC 244 was awesome. Like, it's like UFC 243, Israel Adesanya. Like, people were complaining that that fight card was not as stacked. It kind of had that Abu Dhabi type feel where, like, we were supposed to have Holly Holm on that card, but instead, like, Dan Hooker and I, Ally Quinta, were elevated to the co-main event after Holly got hurt. Fight, like, Israel Adesanya and Rob Whitaker fight. Made that whole fight card worth it. And they were like, Jorgen DeCastro over kind of catapulted himself into the eyes of the fans. Shout out to Fall River, Massachusetts on that one. Uh, but there were a lot of there were a lot of epic fights on that card. Again, I think it's just, it's, but it's all subjective. What I consider lackluster, Mike might consider lackluster. Might not consider lackluster. But uh, we could talk about this all day. One final question on the site before we hop over to Twitter. Should there be an exception from Grin N? Should there be an exception that Conor McGregor will... Should there be any ex- ex- expectation that Conor McGregor will return to the octagon in January? With January just around the corner, it seems strange that an official announcement has not been released. Conor fighting at the start of the new year seems like something the UFC would heavily promote. And now just weeks away, it's been awfully quiet. So, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Conor McGregor announced he was fighting i believe it was january 14th january 18th i can't 18th he announced that he's like i am fighting on this card dana white was like huh okay and then was like scrambling to put together a fight for him apparently supposedly it was donald cerrone i have a lot of thoughts on that fight i get it but i wish he was fighting someone else but i get it uh but now we're getting closer and closer to that january 18th date there's no announcement there's a card but there's no announcement, and it's really kind of put a wrench into like when they announced Daniel Corn- what John Jones versus Dominic Reyes, they didn't say UFC 246 or UFC 247. They just said February event uh, because there's no number. Because if Conor McGregor decides he's fighting January 18th, you know that's going to be UFC 246 in Las Vegas. If he doesn't fight, I doubt they're going to do a pay per view card without Conor McGregor. Maybe they cancel it. Maybe they just make it a fight night like they did with the. Uh, was it the Johnny Hendricks? Uh, Wonder Boy. Steve, Wonder Boy. That was supposed to be Kane and Verdum. And then when Kane got hurt, they just kept it in the same venue. They just made it a fight night. Um, maybe this is the same situation. I'm not sure. Maybe they, I believe this would be, if they do cancel it, this would be the third time in four years they've canceled the January pay-per-view. If I'm not mistaken, they canceled it, like you said, right before UFC 208, which is 2017, right? And then yep. 2000, there was nothing in 2018. And then 16, there might... Yeah. 2016 there was nothing last year right they they that that's when they offered uh kamaru offered to fight colby or ben Askren in january but then it didn't yeah, happen yeah. so then they had that february fight card so this would be what the third time in four years there'd be no there would be no january pay-per-view that's rough but again if if they're gonna take it ended up being a blessing because like usually 235 became that much more stacked that people are complaining about no big pay-per-view cards like this is the situation we run into where i've said this before I love these three championship fight cards, but it throws everything off. Like we have three champions fighting at UFC 245, and now we and then we had a champion fighting at U, all. We had a made up belt UFC 244, and now we have no champions to fight in January. Um, but again, 
Mike, your thoughts uh, on this whole Conor McGregor situation, because I'm going to get right in the face if I keep thinking about this. Um, for those who, who've been thinking that Conor McGregor is irrelevant right now, <laughs> this just proves you wrong. I mean, the, the power this man has right now, because clearly this is a game going on right now, because you, if you look at the UFC website alone over the last week to 10 days, you know, the it went from fight night. Vegas fight night Houston to Houston being UFC 246 to Houston now being a fight night again. So now we don't know what the heck's going on because the ball is is clearly in Conor McGregor's court right now. So they're trying to figure this out. Conor has has all the weight in in this situation. Like he could call the UFC right now and be like, "All right, dude, I'm in. Like we've agreed to terms. Like let's make this happen." That's automatically a pay per view. If he doesn't say that, then it just becomes a fight night and they have to scramble to find some other main event at this point. So I wonder what like what they have in the back burner right now. Like what's the backup plan if Connor doesn't take this fight in terms of what can be the main event? Are we thinking maybe a Yuana Zhang Wei Li fight? Like could both of these ladies be ready for January? Like that's a that's a belt that could be defended. That's a really fascinating fight right now. Uh Rose Namajunas is talking about coming back at this point. Uh, I don't know when. So I mean they t- clock's ticking. Tick tock tick tock. If we're going to if if Connor's going to be on it, like there needs to be some sort of a deadline here and if he passed or passed that deadline, we need to have a backup plan in place. So like you said, the three title fights are awesome. You know, what have you done for me lately? We gave you three title fights, but now what are you going to do for us in January? So, you know, Connor's showing his prolific power abilities right now. Where it's, where it ends, I don't know, but clock's ticking. I mean, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. So let's, they got to make some sort of decision. They got to do it pretty quickly. Yeah, and that situation where I believe it was like the UFC 205 when they had three title fights, that was Connor, Eddie, which again, that's technically the featherweight title was kind of put like held up too because of that fight. Then you had Joanna and uh, Kaylin Kovalevich, and then Tyron Woodley and Stephen Thompson, and then like before that, you had Demetrius Johnson fight on like a tough finale, uh, two hundred four. I can't even remember UFC two hundred four. Like, was that Stipe? I can't even remember. Um, two hundred three was Stipe. Oh, I yeah. can't remember. Whatever so, yeah, it was. So, so and long then ago. and then UFC two hundred seven. Or not not UFC like UFC two oh six they had to make it an interim featherweight title fight between Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis and then UFC two oh seven had two title fights too between uh uh Ronda and Amanda Nunes and then Dil- uh Garbrandt and um Dominic Cruz and then that's what like five or six champions used in like a two and a half month window and now they have nothing for January. I had heard they wanted that to be the Anaheim card and have like maybe Michael Bisming fight Joel Romero on that card, but that obviously didn't happen. Uh, but I'm looking at to January 18th. What does this fight card look right now? Right now, it's a UFC fight night. We got Andre Feely, Sadiq Youssef, Roxanne Modafari versus Macy Barber, Nazrat Hakparas versus Drew Dober, Grant Dawson, Chas Kelly, Alexi Olenek, Maurice Green, and then Anthony Pettis versus Carlos Diego Fajeda. None of those fight cards, none of those fights are headlined on a pay-per-view. Uh, but maybe Roxanne Modifier versus Macy Barber headlines a fight night. Maybe Anthony Pettis dropping back down to lightweight. But again, like, are any of these fights bringing a lot of eyeballs? Like, right now it's listed, if you look up on Google, it's UFC Fight Night 166, Pettis versus Fajeda. Is that the car- is that the fight you'd pick to headline that card? Macy's the fight. by Like, of these seven fights that are on here... It's Macy Barber versus Roxanne Montefiore. It's not even close. I think the only argument against that is Roxanne's coming off a loss, but so is Anthony Pettis. So what am I talking about? And I, I would agree. It's it's one of those two fights. Carlos Diego Fed is on like a five fight win streak. He has that big win over uh, who did he just beat? Um, Tizemoff? Did he beat him in Abu Dhabi? Right? 
So yep. if I'm not mistaken. So it's one of those two. But and Roxanne, like Roxanne's so interesting because everyone thought Antonia Shevchenko was just going to steamroll her. Right. And Roxanne goes in and it, it has the performance she had. So I mean, if you're counting Roxanne Mataferi out of a fight like this, probably not the best idea. Like I'd say the odds are in Macy Barber's favor, and I would probably pick her to win that fight. But Roxanne is is no joke. She's not a pushover at all. She has seen it all and done it all at this point. So. That, I think that's that's the fight. And Roxanne's very marketable too. Like she she can bring in the the casual video game playing comic book reading oh, play fan. I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. So at the, of these seven fights, that's got to be the main event. But we got to build upon this. I mean, Raleigh is already booked in its entirety. Like I think and it's the entire card is booked up. Agreed. But like even if you look at Nico, uh, like Roxanne Modafferi's like UFC career. Like, wasn't originally scheduled to fight Nico Montano. That was going to be Sajara Eubanks before Sajara fell out. So Roxanne Montefiore had a last-minute five-round main event for a title. Comes up short. And then beats Barb Honchak by T- uh, TKO. Loses to Sajara Eubanks, but Sajara Eubanks misses weight by, by 2.2 pounds. Or 1.2 pounds. Beats Antonio Shevchenko by split decision in Russia. And then fights Jennifer Maia, who also misses weight by, by like, four pounds. So... Her two lo- her two losses her three losses are last minute five round fight and then a fighters who both missed weight so Roxanne Modafferi I think is one of the most beloved fighters on the roster uh, she's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in the world huge anime fan huge weeb uh, I was actually in line with her to get into the world MMA uh, world MMA awards uh, in July and we literally only talked about Dragon Ball Z the entire time and she's like <laughs> I have a because every time she weighs in you know she puts on the Super Saiyan uh, she puts on the Super Saiyan wig. But it's always the next level up. I know you're a big anime fan, Mike. You don't have to tell me. But every time you get to the next level, Super Saiyan, your hair changes. And every time she weighs in, she has the next level. She's like, next one, I'm going silver. And I was like, damn, that's badass. And then she won. <laughs> and then she won. Oh, no, she lost. Uh, so, But it was it was just a bit of a bummer uh, because her opponent had missed weight. And uh, Macy Barber, I don't think, is going to have any problems making weight at 125. She didn't look that great when she weighed in when you and I were in Boston. She looked terrible when she weighed in in Denver when I was in that that fight card uh she had to go she had she missed and then got to weigh in again later on uh but i know our cameraman casey lydon i'll ask you this question this isn't part of the question our cameraman casey lydon is a very big fan of prospect versus vet fights what say you um i like them why not like i i i like the prospect versus vet fights and it depends on what place they're at in their careers as well like and and I'm not disrespecting anybody by saying this, but a guy like but a guy like Diego Sanchez, like a fight with with a guy like Mickey Gall, like makes all the sense in the world. Like Condor yeah. versus Mickey Gall made all the sense in the world. Like those fights where you're trying to put over the next star against a name, like we're, we we just had a discussion about this. Like you're trying to build stars, you're trying to to build stories, you're trying to make people care about these fighters, and sometimes that's what you have to do. Like, and, and that was one of the things we had a problem with, with, with the old Bellator regime. Like right when Coker came in, we were getting all these, these freak show fights and, but we weren't like, but, but the good news about those, we, even though we had the Dada Kimbo situation, but guys like Michael Chandler, like guys that were, were coming up in the organization, were getting opportunities to shine on those cards. So with the UFC, you're kind of having to do the same thing right now. You have to you have to build these these guys on the come up against guys with established names. And unfortunately, we hate to see that. Like we hated to see BJ Penn fight Yair Rodriguez, but Yair, you know, is as brutal as that was. Yair gets over automatically because he was attached to BJ Penn in that fight. So while there's, I agree with Casey with, with what you're saying. I like the prospect versus veteran fight. I understand why people don't like it, and. 
I, I would prefer that over a prospect over a prospect. I like prospect prospect fights, but I do I I I get it. Uh, like the the Mickey Gall Sage Northcap fight, I think was a fun fight, but it didn't really do anything for other men go, going down the ro- road. It was just like a fun fight that kind of halted one prospect, and then one prospect didn't really catapult after that uh, in the Mickey Gall situation. But I agree with you. It really depends on where they're at in their career. Like, say like Yolo Romero is on like a two fight losing streak right now. You're not going to give a prospect to Yolo Romero, even though he's on a two fight losing streak. And let's say Joel Romero loses to Israel Adesanya, and he's all of a sudden on a three fight losing streak. You're going to give like Edmund Shabazi and Yolo Romero, like just toss him to the wolves right away. I, so I agree with you. I like them when they make sense. This fight makes sense because Macy Barber has been tearing through people and Roxanne Modafari, I think is one of those vets that can beat anyone or lose to anyone. She's pretty much the Buffalo Bills of 2019, where they can beat any NFL team or they can lose to any, any NFL team. Uh, but I think this is a fantastic test. She's not the most athletically gifted fighter, though she is like very low-key like athletic, like Roxanne Modafari. She's been doing this for so long. But is there anything like is there anything she hasn't seen fighting? How many fights does she have? Like she has more fights probably. How many fights does Macy Barber have? I can't even she, think of it. Eight, right? Is she eight now? She's eight now. Is she eight now? I'm, pretty, I'm about I'm pretty to look, sure if my if my computer would load. God. <laughs> yeah, she's eight and zero. Oh. Roxanne Modafari is twenty three <laughs> and sixteen. Like Roxanne Modafari has two times more losses than Macy Barber has total fights. Uh, uh, Rox- Almost five Ro- times the amount of fights that Macy Barber has. Roxanne Modafari has one, two, three, four. Has had five UFC fights. And Roxanne Modaf- I mean Macy Barber has eight career fights. So I love this fight. Macy like like uh I like this fight more than the Paige Van Zant fight for uh Macy Barber just because I think this will actually show what what level of fighter Macy Barber is on. Uh plus I always like to see my fellow Weebs fight uh on the big spotlight. Cause if hey man, don't scoff. We had a, I had a like I all like last like with all this talk about John Jones throwing shade at us anime fans, we got we got to stick together. So uh, if anyone is in the chat, can back me up. But one final question: I'm hopping over to Twitter. Interesting question. Don't really know how to answer this. Uh, from Chris Poole at Maple Bacon eighty eight. If the UFC, if the USADA deal was never signed, who would the, be the champion in each division? Don't know oh, how to answer I- that. Have no idea how to answer that uh, because I I think it's a it's. It's very dangerous to assume <laughs> fighters were taking drugs if they haven't failed drug tests and this and that, and you don't know how long they've been taking them. I think a lot that people don't talk about, I don't think enough people talk about, this isn't the question, but the IV ban, I think, was a, played a big factor too. Like, Johnny Hendricks cuts a lot of weight, and now he can't take an IV. I know Hector Lombard said he went up to 185 because the weight cut took such a toll on his body, and then he couldn't rehydrate with an IV, so... I think that plays a bigger factor than people admit. A lot of people want to point their finger at USADA and this and that, but I think that IV ban played a big factor initially when it first happened because you take away the ability to rehydrate like that, that's a that's a major weapon that UFC fighters can have after cutting weight. Yeah, that I mean, geez. We're going to have to do a whole other podcast on, <laughs> on answering that question. My God. Like, maybe Brock – like, would Brock Lesnar be the heavyweight champion right now? I, like, don't I don't want to. I can't. I, do I don't want to think of a world where Brock Lesnar is the heavyweight <laughs> champion. I mean, like what he what he did before the diverticulitis. I mean, that guy was like running through everybody. 
like he just was like he crushed Frank Mir, who was looking real good at the time. And then he went back to WWE and he had a, he had to deal with all those other things coming back from diverticulitis and and lost to Kane had that win against Shane Carwin. Like he was winning fights against like really top competition at the time. Then he went back to WWE, had the Mark Hunt fight and obviously popped and, you know, he'll probably never fight again at this point. Never say never. But, you know, who knows where he could have been? Like if he didn't test positive, like what other fights could have been in store for him? And then more time with a freak athlete like that to get ready. Like maybe he could have been. I don't know. But this is this is a super interesting question. And this is good. Yeah, this is a two hour podcast. A lot of people in the comment section right now on YouTube are, are naming like the usual suspects that I think a lot of fans will say like Hannah Barrow, Johnny Hendricks, Chris, Chris Weidman, this and that. But none of them failed for none of them failed uh, tests. So I, I don't want to put them in that category of the USADA thing. I know Johnny Hendricks talked openly about the IV. Hannah Barrow hasn't been the same. I also think a lot of that has to do with um, those gym wars he was in in Novo and Yao. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen like footage of Novo and Yao tra- training. They, re- they have a really hardcore Spartan lifestyle and maybe this, those gym wars with him and Jose Aldo or all those other killers they have down there really played a factor because uh, if he's in these like 10 minute quote unquote sparring sessions where they're going 100% hitting each other with everything they got you're not going to be you're going to feel that when you fight inside the inside the octagon I know Brandon Schaub has openly said like when he would spar with Shane Carwin he would like throw up after from like all the brain damage he had after that. So those catch up to you. So I don't think, I think there's a lot more factors than just USADA right now. I agree. But that is all the time I have. I'm like, we have, I'm like quick peruse over Twitter and Facebook or Twitter and uh, the, the site. A lot of the questions on Twitter are the same as the questions on the site. So we'll skip those for now, but thank you so much for joining us, Mike. I know you said you watched the show. So as always, the floor is yours for any promo you want to do, anything you want to plug. Um, all right, l- let's talk about the Gina Carano interview a little bit more. One of the things that she said that I that I absolutely agreed with was was fans giving fighters crap on social media and, and talking a bunch of trash to them. And I I could not agree with her more. Like, unless you're a fighter, unless you're in there th- these people's shoes and doing what they do every day and going to the gym two, three times a day, making the money they're making, shut the hell up. Like, stop judging these fighters. And at the same time, and I'm not, like, you can say what you want about me. You can call me Dave Doyle 2.0. You can call me, you know, Dana White's younger brother or something like that. I don't give a shit. But, I mean, there are media members out there that are busting their ass trying to get to this position. And so many people are sitting there just trashing them and giving them a bad name and making negative comments. Like, like cut the shit, dude. Like, there's so many other things you could be doing in this life. Like, well, let's, I, I like to broadcast from the soapbox of positivity. I'm not saying you have to be like me and be positive all the time, but let's find some middle ground here. Like, if a fighter does something that deserves judgment, that's great. But if a fighter goes out there and wins a fight and because he didn't do a spinning backfist knockout 27 seconds into the fight, don't go out there and say, this guy sucks. I don't want to see him fight anymore. Like, cut the shit. And in terms of what you want to, follow me on I, there's there's a million different things uh the scrap you can find me at miamianews.com you can find me at the body lock mma you can find me at bjpen.com flow combat and also because i will get crushed if i don't mention this i'm a part of the loudmouth mma podcast network probably the best debate show in mma right now i fully am confident in that it's called between the links jose you've been in a, you've been a guest on that and what i think is so great about the show is that there are debate shows like this but journalists come on the show and they know they have to step their game up aaron bronstetter from tsn came on the show and gave the greatest answer in the history of mma podcasts i swear to god so i highly recommend you go back and watch that it's 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 awesome alexander kaylee thank you this closing a side speech is fire i appreciate that God bless. And as Alexander K. Lee says, 
MMA is supposed to be fun. I was about to say that. Like, you're right. You and Alex Dealey cut from the same cloth. Well, I'm not even going to try and have a promo this week because I'm not topping that. I should have gone first uh, because, Mike, <laughs> Mike, that was beautiful. Uh, could not agree more. Uh, I can't even tell you, like, how, like, it's, okay. People who tweet at fighters and, like, tag them when the fight is happening, why do you do what you do? Like, I was on Twitter, and people were like, at Jan Blakovich, why do you suck? I'm like, dude, he's fighting right now. Like, the fight is happening. Like, why do – well, not even just MMA. Sports in general. People are like, at Philip Rivers, stop throwing interceptions. I'm just like, why are you the way you are? <laughs> like, why are you like this, sir or ma'am? But anyway, I'm not even going to have a promo because Mike's was awesome, and I'm not topping that. But this has been Jose. That is Mike Keck. I'm sure he'll be on again because he was fantastic. Uh, you can definitely check out his Between the Link stuff. I've been on. I've been <clears throat> want to know, want to know. I will say, Alex Kaylee, I think, lost, if I'm not mistaken. He has a loss. He's done pretty well. He's, he? he's, I think he's like two and one. Oh, come on, Alex. Step your game up. Uh, but Christy King was on there. I had like I can't say enough good things about her. Uh, Keith Sh- Sh- Schilling was on there. He's a good guy. I, I, I always have a fun time being on that. And uh, MMA Fighting Staff, if you're on that, you better come away with a win because we have a reputation to keep. Uh, but as always, you can stay on this YouTube channel. You can catch all of PT's clips from Cage Warriors and Bellator London. Uh, I believe Esther and Casey are going to be in D.C. for the, D- the, the Alistair Overeem and Jairzinho fight, uh, which is going to be an awesome scrap uh, altogether. There's a lot of fun stuff happening. Uh, also, I don't think we're going to have anyone on the Alberto Del Rio Tito Ortiz fight, but we have a little fun interview with Del Rio coming out later. I went to his gym. So stay on this YouTube channel. And when you're done on our YouTube channel, then you can go to Mike's YouTube channels. Uh, but next week, Usual time, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. We'll have clips out later. This is Jose. That's Mike. Happy thing. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.